Man, I love this TV show. Parks and Rec is one of my favorite comedies right behind Seinfeld and The Office. It is literally uh, such a funny show because it's got brilliant writing and it's partnered with a hilarious cast. Uh, But welcome to church this morning. My name is Matt. Uh, I love this church and I love this series that we are currently in. And I'm so glad that you joined us here today. But let's get to the point because uh, let's be honest, what does this have to do with today? What can we possibly learn from the parks team in Pawnee, Indiana that we would spend an entire morning talking about today? Well, the answer is that it's the theme throughout the entire seven seasons of Parks and Rec. And it's this word community. Uh, This show places value and importance on the community in each character's season of life. And if you watch a show, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because throughout every season and every episode, what you see is a group of people who started out as co-workers become this indestructible community of close friends who care for and love each other. It's awesome. And I want to show you a clip real quick uh, to to point that out. And just to set this up, uh, what's happening is that Leslie Nope is running for city council and things are not going very well. Uh, But in this particular scene, uh, they're supposed to have this rally at a local basketball court, which is actually now an ice uh, skate rink. And, And so, well, you'll see one thing after another, bad things just continue to happen. But let's, let's watch what happens. Okay, guys, everybody listen up. I just wanted to say thank you. You've all volunteered your time, and no matter what, I am eternally grateful for it. Now, I am going to go out there, and I am going to announce the relaunch, and I'm going to muddle through this thing as best I can. You should all leave, and when this thing is over, I'll meet you at the nearest bar. That would be Hurley's. Oh, it's karaoke tonight. (gasps) Yes! No, no, guys, no. We're not leaving, okay? We're the reason Leslie's in this mess. It's our mess. We're going to stay here, and we're going to go out there as a team. Or... We go as a team to Hurley's. No, Anne's right. We're a team. We're all going out together. Let's give this crowd a show. Go Go Tom? I couldn't afford enough premium carpet to get us to the stage. I mean, it was a short walk, but it was pretty luxurious, right? Now peeing and putting him down. No, Ugh. 
All right, needless to say, the Nope team was riding the struggle bus that day, right? It was supposed to be a basketball court, but it was now an ice rink. Uh, They couldn't afford enough carpet to have a normal walk to the stage. And in fact, the stage didn't even have stairs and they had to like whatever they were doing to get her on there. And, And if you notice the banner, it wasn't even printed correctly. It was cutting off her face and her slogan wasn't on there. Man, it, it was not a good time in this season of running for city council. But guess what? Her community was there. You saw Anne and you saw Ron step into the situation and back her up. And the rest of the parks department followed suit. They had her back. They showed support and they made sure that she slipped her way onto that stage. And this awkward, weird group of people who are completely different, by the way, if you watch the show, they make up this perfect community that works together. And this show points us to what I believe, and I'll go ahead and say this, apart from salvation, what I believe to be the most important aspect of a person's life. I really do that, do believe that. And I realize that that's a big statement to come out with. Guns blazing, I, I get it. But honestly, I believe that community, our community, our groups of people in our lives is that important. I believe that. And I would say that most of you probably know that we value that here at Brentwood. I mean, we just did a series on friendships, didn't we? So why talk about community again? Why this subject? Why this idea of season finale? When we're talking about this series and season finale, that that these seasons of life are coming our way. Oh, here it is. Community is what makes seasons better. And that uh, what we'll see today is that this is completely true. But let's back up for a second because the problem with what you're thinking with that clip is that it's from a TV show, right? It's Parks and Recreation. It's not real. It's fake. And so it doesn't always look like that in real life. And, you, and you're right. You're right. For some of you, uh, as soon as I said that word community, you're cringe because you've experienced that letdown and disappointment that can occur from other people. You see, unlike Leslie Nope's friends who stepped up and had her back, you've had the friends and maybe even the family who did it, Right? Because after all, we're talking about people, humans, you and me. And what do we all have in common? The simple fact that we are not perfect. We're jacked up people who can be selfish and let others down. That's the simple truth. We have people in our lives who've let us down. It's not always as fun as a TV show can make it out to be. And so the question though, the question is, what do we do with these failures that we experience from other people with our communities? What do we do when people let us down, when they disappoint, when they betray us, when they abandon us? What do we do? Because if we're honest, I think we'd say that we don't want to try and make it right. I would, I would th- say that's probably true. We don't want to try and fix the issue and work at it. And so typically I think there's two things that, that we do. First, I would say that, that we get fake. Because I would say uh, we've been hurt in the past. We don't want to get hurt again. And so we don't really open up. We're not honest. We're not vulnerable. We're not sincere. I would say our community and our relationships, they're not real. There's no depth. And they don't lead to progress or change in our lives because they're fake. And justifiably so. Like you're, you're okay with that because who wants to open up and invest in people only to be let down and disappointed, right? Not me. I don't want that. But the second thing is that we typically avoid community at all costs. We avoid it at all costs because this usually happens after our time of being fake with others. Because again, people have let us down 
And, and now we're in a season of not being real with others. Uh, and so what we, what we realize is that eventually there's no point of being around these people, right? If it's fake, if it, it probably leads to negativity and bitterness, to resentment. If I'm not being honest with them, why? What's the point? We avoid it at all costs because we think, we think the community serves no purpose in our lives. We think that it doesn't matter for us. You see, quite the opposite is true. Because here's the deal. We need community more than we think we do. We need it more than we think we do. And we're going to see this to be true today. And, and even though it disappoints, even though it's broken, it's flawed, even though it has all these mess ups and screw ups in it, we have to have it. We need it. And more so in the seasons of life that we go through. Right? We see this that, that this is the thing we need the most and that we always have to pursue. I want to start, look at this quote from uh, Dr. Belizkian. Uh, community, he, his guy is, by the way, uh, he's one of the co-founders of this church in Chicago called Willow Creek, one of the largest churches in America, if you don't know. Um, but this is what he said, he said, community is deeply grounded in the nature of God. It flows from who God is because he is community. He creates community. It is his gift of himself to humans. God is community. It's his gift to us, to you and me. He created it for us. It is who he is. And what's our proof for this? I would say, let's look at the life of Jesus. You see, from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, as soon as we start reading about him in the New Testament, what do we see? Jesus surrounds himself with a community of other men to walk through life with. The guys were known as the 12 disciples. Uh, mainly Jesus was teaching and training these men, uh, but he was encouraging them. He was telling them about life, about what it means to be a follower of him. He was teaching them about God the Father, and he was training them up and getting them ready to lead others and point them to him. And these 12 men were closer than anyone else uh, that Jesus was around. And he invested in their lives, and, and they invested in his. It was a community. Jesus had a community from the beginning of his ministry. And what I love is that within the 12, uh, it, is, it is very well known that Scripture talks about this all the time, that there were three who were actually closer to him than, than any of the others. Uh, Peter, James, and John were closer to Jesus. He had friendship, deep friendship and community. Men who had his back in times of need and who he had their back in times of, of needing support and help. He had a community of guys to invest in and lean on. And when the seasons of life came, they were there. And for three years, Jesus traveled with these men, this community, growing and learning together, challenging, praying with them, serving them, confronting them, teaching them, doing all of these things. Jesus displayed our need for community. He invested in it. He thrived in it. And most importantly, he didn't give up on it when it failed him. Because like Jesus's community, like us, Jesus' community, this circle of men that he was around, uh, they weren't perfect. They messed up. They let him down. And a lot, actually. <laughs> Yet time after time, Jesus pursued community in spite of its imperfections. And so the story that displays this so well is in the book of Matthew. Chapter 26 uh, is where we're, we're going to be here in just a little bit. And uh, to set this up, this is not the greatest of seasons for Jesus. Uh, this is what you would call a bad or difficult 
season, a dark season for Jesus, because this is just days before, just moments before he would be arrested and then be put on trial and be put to death for you and me. And so knowing what was about to happen, Jesus needed to get away. He needed to pray. He needed to commune with God, the Father. He needed to talk with him in prayer. And so here's what's happening. Matthew 26, verse 36. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And this is what he says. says, Then said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus is hurting. He's got a lot going on. And so what does he do? He brings in his two friends. He brings in Peter, James, and John. And he, he says, stay here. Keep Watch with me. And so what do we see? Jesus is entering into the darkest season of his life. He's about to experience pain and torture and punishment and hurt unlike any other person who ever had lived. And he knew it. He knew what was coming. Coming. His soul was overwhelmed. He needed his friends. He needed community to pray for him, to give him strength and encouragement. And so he sought out his closest friends. He's showing us you and me, our need for it. He needed it. We need it. And this next verse points to something that we need to pause on for for just a moment. Verse 39 says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Because what happened was Jesus said, okay, you guys come with me and stay over here while I go pray. And then I'm gonna go over here And I'm going to pray to my father. And so what I want you to notice is that Jesus, he didn't keep Peter, James, and John with him for this prayer. Notice that he didn't ask them to take his place on the cross. He didn't turn to them for his particular problem he was going through. And this is so important for every one of us to understand because we've got to realize that that we cannot expect community to do things that only God can do. You get that? We can't expect community to do only the things that God can do. Yes, our community and our friends are here to support. They're here to encourage and carry you through seasons. They're here for us for that. They're here to pray for us and love us, but they are not God. Our community cannot do the things that God can do. And from that, you need to realize that there are things in life you can only expect from God. Don't expect it from people. People will fail you. They will let you down. And if you take expectations that are meant to be put on God and you place them on the people in your life, you will be let down every single time. Every time. That's why Jesus said, hey, come pray with me, guys. I I need you. I need your prayer. I need your support. But stay here because I've got to go to God. I've got to spend some time with my Father. God is God. People are people. There's a difference. And that should clarify two things in your life. What are you taking to your community that you're not taking to God? What are you asking them to talk about and pray for that you're not even praying to God for yourself? And secondly, what are, the, what are you expecting of your community that you shouldn't be? Maybe this is why you're faking community or maybe this is why you avoid it because your expectations are wrong. Stop leaning so much on people and turn and lean towards God when God is the one who can sometimes bring you through situations that people cannot. Let's keep reading the story. So Jesus, he separates himself from the guys to go pray. And then he returned to his disciples just a few moments later. And this is what he says. He returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. 
couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Found him sleeping. What just happened? I mean, practically what's happened here, right? Jesus's community failed him. (laughs) They let him down. They abandoned him. They did not have his back. They fell asleep after an hour. He said, come pray with me and they fall asleep. These three men, his inner circle let him down. They abandoned him. Jesus, when he needed them the most, not just once, but three times in a row, they failed him. They fell asleep when he asked them to stay awake. Look at this. Look at, look at these verses. He went away a second time and he prayed, my father, notice he's going back to God to pray again. My father, if it is, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And what happens? When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. And what happens next? And he returned to the disciples a third time and said, are you still sleeping and resting? Like, I feel like, like Jesus probably had like a little bit of a tone. I, I can't back that up. But are you still sleeping and resting? Like, guys, are you kidding me? You had one job and you're still sleeping. They continued to disappoint. They continued to fail Jesus. They continued to not be there for him. But what did Jesus do? If we think about it, did Jesus say, all right, for, forget this. Forget this. I'm done with you guys. You guys keep failing me. Uh, you guys are useless. I'm going to bail on you too. So forget the grace and forget the mercy I was going to show you. Forget you guys because I'm done. No, that's not what Jesus said. That's not what he did. You know what Jesus did do? Jesus died for these guys. These guys, the ones who kept falling asleep, he loved them. He died for them. In fact, he gave them as many second chances as they needed. And then to top it all off, These are the very guys that Jesus put in charge of his church when he left earth. These are the guys that Jesus entrusted everything that he did while he was here. He handed them the keys and they are the ones who built his church. Jesus continued to love them and show them the grace and forgiveness they needed. He allowed them into his life time and time again, even after they disappointed him and let him down. He invested in this community of men knowing they weren't going to be perfect and they continued on that trend. And this shows us that we are to do the same. We've got to love these people in our lives. The bigger circle of friends that we may have and even the inner circle of friends. Even when they mess up, even when they lie, abandon and betray us because just like Jesus' closest friends and followers did to him, abandoned him, betrayed him, He still loved them. And what's similar to Jesus and his resolve and his love for his disciples is actually, believe it or not, Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec. Uh, Believe it or not, Leslie and Jesus are similar in this way because no matter what Leslie's city brings her way, she responds with love. She responds with care for her community. Now, the last clip I showed was her struggling in her campaign season to run for city council. And so, spoiler alert, sorry guys, uh, to fast forward, she does end up getting elected. Uh, But the very next season of the show, the crazy town that she loved so much, that she spent her entire life working for, that she's trying to improve, she's never done anything wrong to them, she's only tried to better her city, these people recall her from city council. 
They, they remove her from office and she's devastated because she's dreamed of city council since she was a little girl and she finally got it. But what happens? She's let down. She's betrayed. She's thrown down, removed from her position. But Leslie Nope responds to these people and she receives some beautiful advice from the manliest man ever, Ron Swanson. And, and it's this idea of love that I think we can all learn from and relate to our lives. So check out this clip. Ron, what are you doing here? The most important government work I've ever done, sanding rat urine stains out of this floor. What are you doing here? I come here to think sometimes by myself. But now that you're here, I am going to speak to you very vaguely about a problem that I have, and you cannot ask me any questions or details about it. That is my ideal conversation, aside from no conversation, but that feels unlikely. Look, you know how much I love Pawnee, but the more I try to fix it, the more people fight me. They call me names, they recall me, they try to kill the merger. They literally punch me in the face. And yet every time I contemplate leaving, just walking away once and for all, I just can't do it. What is wrong with me? Yesterday, I fixed that old steam radiator, threaded a new valve into the side, removed the handle from the base, unscrewed the packing nut from the stem. This subpar toolbox only had one wrench, so I was lucky it was a three quarters or I'd have been screwed. <laughs> yeah, man, you are lucky. Come on, Ron. I need your help. By the time I was done, this hundred-year-old piece of American-made cast iron was singing like a bird. Now, to most people, this story would seem boring. That's ridiculous. It's a story about a radiator. But to me, it was immensely satisfying because I enjoy fixing radiators. You like fixing this town, Leslie. You always have. You know it's an uphill battle, but you love the struggle. I would also add that you've already done a lot to make this town better. And people like this young man here will benefit from your hard work. He is a beautiful boy. He's quite a looker. Thank you, Ron. What's that? Nothing. <clears throat> Clear my throat. Man, I love it. Uh, Ron Swanson is my hero. Uh, but he reminds Leslie of what keeps her going throughout every season of life working for the local government in Pawnee, Indiana. Oddly enough, it's the same thing that kept Jesus going, even though he was betrayed by the very people he cared for. So what is it that, love, that, that Jesus and Leslie have in common? It's love. It's love. My Parks fans know exactly what I'm talking about because it's almost annoying how much she loves this city. It's, it's draining just to watch her go after so many projects and the town hall meetings and to do whatever it takes to please her citizens. But even if you've never watched an episode of this show, Leslie Nope can teach us all something. Is that it's love that drives us to never give up on our community. Even when they let us down, even when they recall you, even when they give you a black eye, even when they betray you. As weird as it is to compare Leslie Nope and Jesus, they do have that similar trait. They love like it's nobody's business. Their communities failed them. Jesus's friends and followers failed him. Yet he still sought out community, knowing it was gonna fall through, and he showed love through it. 
And that's probably not the only uh, 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 instance you're thinking of where Jesus has been let down. Because if, if you know a little bit about scripture, you know that, that they have done this before. And so probably the most well-known case of this is Judas. Judas, one of the 12 disciples, was the very one who betrayed Jesus and led him to be arrested. He accepted a bribe and turned him in. He betrayed Jesus. He was a follower. Uh, another example was Peter. Uh, after Jesus was arrested, Peter, one of the inner three, he denied Jesus. Three separate times, he denied even knowing Jesus. And then another disciple, Thomas, was known as the one who doubted that Jesus actually rose from the dead. His nickname was literally Doubting Thomas. Like, how would you like to be that guy? I wouldn't want to be known as Doubting Matthew. And so time and time again, we see Jesus' community disappoint him, but he always responds with love, always responds with care. And so earlier I said that I believe community is the most important aspect of life aside from the initial relationship and belief in Jesus Christ. And I fully believe that. And here's why I said, said that. I see, I believe that life as a Christian it is not about appearances. I don't believe it's about perfection. But rather it's about a step-by-step process of moving closer to God and becoming more like Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we are not called to stay the same. You see, nothing in scripture points to staying the same. You know what happens to things that are stagnant that stay the same? They die. Have you ever been in a stagnant pond? It's disgusting, right? And so as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not called to stay the same. We are supposed to strive to be like him. And so I believe that it is impossible for us to truly follow Jesus alone. Because I believe without others, we can't grow. And, and don't get confused. I didn't just say that you can't be a Christian and be alone in life. That's, that's different. But what I'm saying is that I don't think you can truly become like Jesus without a group of people in your life to help guide you and correct you and care for you and help you and love you through the seasons of life when things are good, when things are bad, when there's not a group of people there to support and love you. I don't think you can really follow Jesus fully. It's why one of our core values here at Brentwood Church is that we move people to intentional community. And it's because we believe it's impossible to follow Jesus alone. That's why community is so important to us. It's why we value it here at Brentwood. It isn't perfect though. We get it. It will let us down. Some of you may have experienced hurtful situations with a group of people in the past, and I get it. People are not perfect. But we're not called to expect perfection. And then just give up when it doesn't happen. We're called to live as Jesus lived. And he lived in community. But he also understood the reality of community. He understood that. And that's the truth today is that we can't expect community to do things that only God can do. We can't. Some things are only for God. And we've got to turn to him and pray with him. But at the same time, God created us to exist in community. He created us to exist in community, you and I. Everything about scripture points to community. God does. He exists in community. The Trinity, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus does. His life, the entire life of Jesus was in community. It's where growth happens. It's where change happens. It's where you become a different person because it's where your character is challenged by the people who know you for who you really are. It's who they can push you to say, hey, this is where you need to grow. Hey, you need to stop doing this. Hey, you need to start doing that. It's what God created us for, to exist in community. Jesus' own life backs that up. 
We cannot expect community to do things that only God can do. And God created us to exist in community. And so where do we go from here? What, what do we do with all this information? I think first, we've got to do an assessment of the people in our lives, our community, or lack thereof. And so for some of you, this is simple. Um, you just ask, is there a community of people in your life? Is there a community of people in your life? And I'm not talking about just like your kids and your wife. No, no, no. I'm talking about a deep relationship community of people who know you. Specifically, for those of you who call Brentwood your home, um, here's how you can get in one if, if the answer is no. Okay, you ready for this? Here we go. Group link. It's happening September 14th. You can join a group. Be there. Invest in people who will love you and who will be in your life for two years or longer and can care for you. But what, what about until then? What, what do we do until September? Join a fusion group. This is our summer groups. They're short term. We call them fusion. Starts on June 4th. Sign up for it. Join a serving team. If you're at Brentwood and you call us your home, but you don't serve, you're missing out on community on Sunday mornings of people that can love you and get to know you through serving with them. There are so many examples of people that I know at this church who have found community through their serving teams. Uh, Look for some teaching groups that are coming up in the fall. We've got groups specifically for men. We've got groups specifically for women. And they're not focused on this amazing teaching as much as they are about groups, about getting you invested in a smaller group of people. If you're a student, middle school, high school, start attending Collide. You'll join a small group of people who will care for you, students your age, and you'll have small group leaders who can love and invest your life. If If that's your child and they're in middle school, high school, and they're not going to Collide, they're missing out. And then the final thing that I would say for every person in here is to take friendship to the next level. This is the biggest one, in my opinion. Invite those one or two people into your life to walk deeper with you so that you can be there with each other for encouragement and support and love when when each season's come. I like the word accountability. Accountability. I'll say this. If you're a male, if you're a man in here and you don't meet up with another guy or two at least once a week, to keep each other accountable in your lives. It doesn't matter if you're single or if you're married or if you're divorced or if you're 16 or 60. I don't care. If you don't do this, you're heading to a season of life that that you don't want to be in if you're not already there. A season of solitude, of loneliness, where there is no one to look into your life and to tell you where you're being an idiot, right? With love, of course. Listen, every Thursday I meet up uh, with uh, guys for accountability. We have breakfast every single day. Thursday, and we look each other in the eyes and we ask the tough questions. We talk about the things that keep us moving forward to be more like Jesus as men, as married men, and for me now as a father. And look, I get it. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. I understand that's awkward. I knew those guys for almost five years before our relationship moved to from surface level, never talking about anything but sports, to deep, meaningful conversation that actually mattered. But it's got to happen. Women, I would say the same thing for you. You need another woman or two in your life to keep you accountable in the seasons that you go through with your own temptations, with the own things that you struggle with, with the difficulties that you face throughout life. Women who can hold you up to support you in the tough times, who can support you, who can love you, and also who can pour into you and you can pour into them. The other part of accountability, though, that I love, that isn't about the season of like sin that you're in, but it's rather it's about what you're not doing as a follower of Jesus. Who's looking into your life to tell you that that you're not living out the gospel? Who is telling you that you're not loving people like you should? Who's speaking into the absence of prayer in your life or the absence of reading through the scripture? Who's speaking into that? 
Accountability. I love that. These are all aspects of community, and they are key for growth and breakthrough. And if none of these apply, if, if, those, if those things up there don't apply to you, and you would say that you are in a community, and that you would say that you're held accountable by others in your life, then I would say it's time for you to do a check on the love that you're displaying in your life. Maybe you're not quite as loving and forgiving to those you're close with in your circle. Maybe you, you don't know how to forgive when they let you down. Maybe you become complacent and how you treat the people you're supposed to love and care about the most. Maybe you're taking advantage of the relationships in your life. How transparent and honest are you really being with them? How judgmental are you being of them when they're vulnerable with you? Check your heart. Listen, none of us have arrived, okay? Just because you're in community doesn't mean you're perfect. We all have a next step to take. Maybe yours is just confessing things and moving away from that. I don't know. And then to those of you who have intentionally distanced yourself from community or, or you're completely disengaged in the community uh, that has formed around you because you're bitter or you're negative about what's happened in your life, I mean, you need to learn to let it go. You need to forgive as Jesus forgave and love as he loved, just like he told us to do. He said that, 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 um, that the, his disciples, they were his followers, Right? They're gonna, they disappointed him. We're going to have those same people that disappoint us in our life. But he loved them. And we see the love that is shown in his life. What, what love is shown in your life? Is the love in your life displaying that? Or is the negativity and bitterness overshadowing and outweighing the love that you should be living out? And where are your expectations for, for, for your community? Uh, maybe, maybe you think that they should be doing the things that God should be doing in your life. Men and women will always fail you. Your, your number one priority should be like Jesus and to lean on God. Not the people in your community because they're not perfect. Yes, you need it, but don't have false expectations of that. You were created to exist in community. You need it. Understand it. But what if you're not a Christian? What if you've never made the decision to believe in Jesus? Your life doesn't follow him, you would say. Listen, if that's you today, I want you to hear this. Community is still important for you. You, you need to be in community. But right now, you're missing out on the first relationship, the first community that is far more important than the rest. And that's a relationship with Jesus. You see, Jesus came to this earth. He lived and, and he sacrificed for you. Yeah, his life does point us to community to show love, but he came here with one intention. And that was to die so that you and I can have our relationship with God restored. And just like he forgave and loved the disciples, even when they failed him, he loves and forgives you today. He does that so that we can spend eternity with him. And you need to know that before you can walk out of this room in a few minutes, you have the opportunity to place your faith in Jesus today. You can do that now because without that, you need to understand our sin, it forces us out of community with God. It separates us here on earth, but also for eternity. And so as I've been saying this, you, you know if this is you today. <clears throat> you know if you've never made the decision to place your faith in Jesus. He came here to rescue you from hell. He came here to give you hope and to give you forgiveness. And if you want to do that today, we're going to give you opportunity for that. And I'm going to pray here. And listen, there's nothing spiritual about these words. Words express your confession, but it's your heart that truly decides it. And so with every, 
Every head bowed, I'm going to pray. And if this is you, I I want you to pray this with me in your heart. God, Father, you're good. And you are loving. You are forgiving. That's what I'm asking for today. Forgiveness. God, I've sinned. I've messed up. But I believe that Jesus came to this earth to pay the price for me so that our relationship can be made right. Today, God, I place my faith in Jesus. That he came here, that he died for me, that he defeated death by raising from the grave. Life won't be perfect after this, but God, I I want to honor you with my life, with my words, my actions, and my thoughts. God, help me as I begin this walk with you. God, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Amen. Amen.